This week on Out Now with Internet, we are talking Cry Macho. Horses, roosters, crying. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello, hi! Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We dig into movies via most spoiler for your review, the occasional commentary track, or some other film movie topic. This is episode 469, 469. Oh, man, that's a great number to cry to. <laughs> well, good, because this week we are talking Cry Macho, the latest film from director and star and producer Clint Eastwood. And joining us to discuss Cry Macho, we have, from the Newport Beach, a programmer for the Newport Beach Film Festival, and writer of the blog, Write to Recite, she looks better than, she looks better in any hat than Clint. It's Anna Bosch. Oh, hello. <laughs> I love hats. I, I know you do. You look better in every one of them. Yes. <laughs> That's Baseball what Aaron always tells me. <laughs> you look good in hats. I don't look yeah. good in hats. You look good in Outback hats. Outback Australian hats. <laughs> The bucket hats are back in, so I really need to get one of those. Yeah, plus it's going to be a rainy season, so you're going to need buckets. <laughs> that's how they work, right? They double those oh, things. <laughs> Is that too much? That's, that's why they're from <laughs> Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, Anna, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing well. You know, just hanging in there. Good. Good to have you back on the show, of course. I'm excited to talk about a Clint Eastwood film with you. I know, exciting. I was like, the last time we watched um, one of his films was like, was it during a festival season, like at AFI or something? Uh, Do you remember? Like, we went to go see at the the Groms, and like, they had the good, the bad, the ugly on. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we saw that. We didn't even, we didn't stay, because I think I was getting tired. (laughs) Well, because it's like, because it's a long movie. We watched like the first hour, but it was like 10 o'clock when we started, and we we already been at the... Yeah, the AFI Fest for, like, two other movies or whatever. And so they were playing it at the Grauman's Chinese Theater. So it was, like, the and biggest... And you guys thing. didn't invite me. <laughs> yeah, that Thanks was the problem. A lot. <laughs> totally would have been an invite. What was that, like, 2017, maybe, or something That's, like that? That sounds about right, yeah. Making me feel even better here. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, now we have a brand new Clint Eastwood Western. His first Western since uh, Unforgiven, honestly. And that's going to bring us to some show notes here. And first up is... Unforgiven, because we have a new commentary track for Unforgiven, Clint Eastwood's best picture-winning uh, Western film. Uh, we, uh, Myself, Brandon, and Yancey, we all talked about Unforgiven. We had a, really, uh, a lot of good thoughts to share on that movie as far as what it represents and uh, fun facts about it and under, other tangents and more. So be sure to check that one out. That's a lot of fun. It was right in time for this movie, of course. That's on iTunes. Uh, where, of course, you can find all of our episodes uh, for uh, Out and Out there in and you can also give us a rating and review, which will be great. You can also even write your favorite character from Young Guns there. <laughs> you know, Western theme. That, that, that is a way to do it. Uh, but yeah. So instead of instead of four stars, you want four sport spurs? <laughs> yes. Possibly five. <laughs> oh, there you go. I didn't know. I forget that it goes to five. But feel, uh, do whatever your heart pleases. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we have all that going on with the iTunes, of course, and, uh, what else is going on, of course, is our summer gamble. Uh, this is it. This is the end of the, wow. of, of the summer movie season. Um, we, we've, we've reached the, 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 uh, the climax here. 
And of course, that means there's going to be an epilogue. Uh, so <laughs> get ready. But you do know who won then, right? I do not know because I have not added up the scores as Man. of yet. I will be doing oh, that oh. after this podcast because we do plan to record the Summer Gamble Show uh, at the time of this recording later today. And that will be posted mm-hmm. up later this week where we will see who came out on top in regards I to... I hope you won. I... <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing my best, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll we'll see what. I happens. hope eight comes in second place. That'd oh, be something. Oh, that'd be impossible. <laughs> That's not impossible. This is this is a wild season. I'm I'm gonna be yeah. very surprised by what happens no matter what. I mean, I, think. I did I didn't choose Paw Patrol. I I mean <laughs> I could go either way. A lot of money. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so get ready. Because we got we have plenty of fun to come down the down the pike here with the uh, with the summer gamble to see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of uh, other fun bonus episodes, it is going to be October soon, and we are going Ooh. to record several horror episodes as we generally do. Uh, we have yeah. five, five weeks in October. That means there's going to be five bonus shows, and we have a plan for what those are going to be. I'm not going to lay out exactly what it is, but I will say this month we're going to be putting a lot of focus on doing uh, various horror uh, overviews of various horror franchises. Uh, so that's that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we got some cool stuff lined up for that, so uh, stay tuned for October for all these bonus shows. And um, I think, th- and of course, a contest. I've teased this, but yeah, a, hor- a horror-themed contest will be coming along that around those that time as well. I can't yeah. wait. Yeah. All right. So that's show notes. Let's move on now. Let's get to some out now quickies. DM. Each week out now we only the week that talk about the week out now quickies. DM. <laughs> what you don't know is I just played a video clip. Uh huh. That's why it sounded the same. Yeah. You want to play it again? Yep. <laughs> Got a little lower on that second one. You turned the volume oh, down on that dang. device? <laughs> oh, I, no, I, I modulated it down just like in Home Alone 2. Really quick to do guard. that. No it's, problem. Impressive, it's impressive you're able to do that so quickly. Yeah. No, we're pretty good here with the uh, the fingers. Oh, yeah? Okay. Hey, but have you seen yep. any other movies this week? <laughs> I did. <laughs> I watched, I watched uh, Werewolves of Within. Uh, this is that movie directed you by. You said uh, that very fast. What did you say? Werewolves Within. There we go. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And it is. A, it's like a. I would say like a horror comedy movie, kind of in the same vein as as a, a Wolf Cop, which we reviewed and, and chatted with uh, Lowell Dean about a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting romp because I I like Sam Richardson a lot. I like the way that he does improv. And uh, I like when he plays the straight guy, kind of like how it is in Veep. And it's like this kind of murder mystery with werewolves uh, in this town up in Alaska. And it's pretty uh, – it's a good romp if you've got not a whole lot going on and you're kind of just curious as to, you know, like, oh, I've seen a lot of studio movies lately. Here's a movie where you can just kind of – Sit back, relax, have a good laugh, and kind of just uh, watch it. It might actually be a good double feature with um, uh, what was the movie with uh, Jim Cummings? The Wolf of Snow Hollow. The Wolf of Snow Hollow. There it you would, go. It would very much be a good double feature. Yeah, make it a double feature, double creature feature. You know, I I I saw that movie a few months ago. I liked it very much. So I, I'm glad yeah. you enjoyed it. Anything else? There you go. Reservation Dogs finished it. Fantastic. It's over. Very strong ending. Well, I, I guess maybe like the first. Uh, That's what I mean. Uh, the fr- I'm not saying it's. Over. I mean like the first season's over. It might be. It yeah. might. But... <laughs> Is that you said you finished it? Okay. Yeah, I, I guess I'm, I caught up on it because I can't really tell if people are telling me that it's done or if I'm just caught up on the the most recent episode. But it's very strong, um, and I would I would highly recommend Reservation Dogs again. 
I'm saying eight episodes for the first season. Then that sounds about right. With the last one being tomorrow. Then that sounds about right. So you'll be you'll be done soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Anna, is there any? Have you been able to see any other movies recently? I actually have. I kind of briefly spoke with you the other day about it, but I rewatched Freedom Riders. Mm-hmm. It's on Netflix right now, and of course it stars Hilary Swank, and it's based on the 1999 book The Freedom Riders Diary by the teacher Erin um, Gruel and her students who compiled, you know, their own books of like little diary entries. And it's a strong film. It's still one of my favorite films, um, having to deal with education and um, at-risk, you know, students. So. It was a good rewatch. And good. then I was just like, Patrick Dempsey's horrible. <laughs> I was like watching like he leaves her and he like doesn't want to support her, you know? I mean, that's how I viewed it. But I was just like, wow, she's doing all she can, you know, to try to get these kids um, to graduate. And he kind of just sits there in the background and just like, oh, you're never home. You're always you're doing this. You're doing that. You're always freedom writing. <laughs> Yeah, Classic like, Patrick Dempsey. I'm curious, like, if it really is, you know, super close to the actual teacher's life, because in the movie portrays her, like, having to pick up not only her teaching job, but she, like, works at a department store and also at a hotel just to um, be able to buy these students new books because the school doesn't want to because they're like, well, you know, these kids won't... You, won't really take care of them they won't have anything to do with them their their reading is like remedial so like why even put you know more effort into them so she takes on these other jobs to do that and to help them and it's great to even to see like how she even had like them have like some way of comparison like the holocaust you know stories for them and to see them like start opening up with her because they really hated her like they did not like this teacher coming to their, you know, their classroom. And it's just, it's really good. I would totally recommend it as a, as a watch for the the weekend. Yeah. I, I plan to finally catch up with it. I never saw, but I remember being like really well reviewed at the time. So I, I do want to check it out. We should watch it together. At some point. Oh, <laughs> what a beautiful date night. I know it would be. Yeah. yeah I'm invited too, right? Yeah, of course. Of course. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Just making sure, you know, because you guys didn't invite me to the man Brumman's Chinese Theater. Yep, that that's what happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Looking for redemption here. <laughs> there, yeah, there is, know. there is nothing stopping you from coming down here. Six hundred miles. Those aren't my problem. You can come down here when you want to. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've seen uh, a few things. Uh, but Anna, were you done? Sorry, did, did, were there any? Was there anything else? Or? I I think so, right? Okay. I think yeah. I was gonna say something, but I totally went blank because A was talking about coming down. I'm just like thinking, well, what if we went to Santa Barbara again? Like, isn't that closer to him? Like, <laughs> I thought I'd meet him halfway. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> All right. Well, I I have seen a few things this week. Uh, first up, you know what, I, Abe? You know what, what? I just popped in and watched the whole thing of. Let me guess. Uh-huh. Um, cool Hand Luke. <laughs> Homeward Bound. Cool Hand Luke. Yeah, you're right, Anna. Okay. I, just, I, just, well. I, just, I just put it in, and I watched all of it in one sitting. And you know what? It was great. I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, oh. I, it's a classic movie. I've seen it a number of times. Right. It's, it's yeah. uh, Generally, my dad considers it his favorite movie. Um, <laughs> 
I'm I laughing only it. because I've been waiting. I thought Abe was going to add his two cents on this film because, you know, I've been listening in when you have your <laughs> podcast. And I'm like, no update today. And here comes oh, he, Aaron he, with. He, 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 he finished it up last week, apparently. At some yeah, point. Yeah, the, the update was, I'm done. <laughs> done it's oh. a great movie. yeah he finished it but uh no i, I, I just, should have told me it was so great i would have finished it in one go oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like you know and everyone's like top favorite 50 movies yeah, we, of, of all time yeah we, we really <laughs> slacked on telling you the part that it's really good mm-hmm. yeah, yeah thanks so. a lot jesus <laughs> but yeah no I, I just watched the whole thing and it was great um <laughs> really really strong great cast uh, <laughs> I, I i do like the one they uh when they're getting all excited about um building the road um, they make it a race, and then it makes it seem like the ch- you know they get done early, and they're like, "What do we do now?" I don't now? know what we gotta do now. We've got an hour left. What do we do now? We just sit here. <laughs> <laughs> we just take it easy. It's, it's it's a great edit too, just mm-hmm. how the uh, the warden is like walking on it, and they're just making the road, and he's walking it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's almost uh, as if I've seen the movie. Yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, I've seen a couple other things, two new movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first is The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Uh, this oh. is the biopic from director Michael Showalter. It stars Jessica Chastain as Tammy Faye Baker and Andrew Garfield as her husband, Jimmy Baker. This is based on the true story of these televangelists uh, who were also, re- in addition to doing their thing, they're also responsible for, well, more Jim Baker, responsible for skimming a lot of money, millions off of uh, the uh, all the work they were doing. And I will say... Chastain and Garfield are very good in this movie. They're clearly like, and like Chastain's like a producer on this. Like this has been like a passion project of hers. So like you can see that in what they're trying to do with Tammy Faye, as far as showing another side of like what's going on specifically from her perspective, since she was mm-hmm. seemingly less involved with the like the business aspect or like the illegal business aspect than Jim Baker was. Sure. It was clear. Um, the problem is. The movie's pretty thin as far as really exploring these people. Like, okay, I, I was gonna ask some follow up. Yeah, I was all ready to see. You know, I, honestly, I don't know much about any of this. I like, I don't, I'm not familiar with the, the whole like scandal involving them. So like, I, I just, mm-hmm. you know, was generally curious. And my takeaway was like, yeah, the acting is good because they're good actors. But I'd probably more in, interested in seeing the documentary, also called the, the Eyes of Tammy Faye, that came out in 2000. That, given that you have, you know, the real person and more stuff like. It's probably more there as far as gleaning something off of this. As it stands, this is just a biopic with some some moments that really work, but doesn't do much to kind of lift itself out of that genre that was all that intriguing beyond just getting like a general sense of who this person is without kind of delving any deeper. Sure. Follow up question. Uh, how long is the movie? It's under two hours. It's like an hour 50, I think. Yeah. And so. then the other follow up question is, do they talk about their faith at all or, you know, how it may be clashed? Um, that's, I think, kind of part of the problem. Like, there's never yeah. a doubt in my mind that Tammy Faye specifically is, like, deeply religious. Like, that's, that doesn't escape me in this movie. Jim right. Baker, because it's not focused on him, for one thing, but, it, like, it doesn't it doesn't do much with him. And, again, it's focused on her, so I get that sure. it's not going to give you much in that realm. It certainly implies certain things. There's a heavy implication that Jim Baker is a closeted homosexual. Like, it, it really mm-hmm. plays into that. Um, but... Yeah, I, I guess yeah. because when you're describing the movie, I was thinking about the Richard Simpsons and uh-huh. how it's it's you know you see their lifestyle, but it's weird because they actually are strong people of faith. 
Yeah, that's, and the, it's like, that's that's oh, that's part like, of why that show works. Like it, it's not right. trying to disrespect anything. It, it, yeah, it's certainly like, they it's live adding a an very edge. great life, yeah. but mm-hmm. they actually are trying to like spread this gospel, and they they truly believe in it. And mm-hmm. you know, like you know, the wife is very is much less involved with the financial side of the house versus Jim Goodman, mm-hmm. so or John Goodman. So yeah, just curious. Yeah, where this side of it, like it, it very much wants to. Yeah, it wants you to know that Tammy Faye is very religious, and she very much believes mm-hmm. in what she's saying. It's just more of how do you do more of that? And the movie doesn't really get into that area, which is, it's a bit of a shame because it's like, you know, the work is there, even with like the makeup involved to make her look like Tammy Faye, it, mm-hmm. it becomes less distracting as it goes along, obviously. So, but yeah. Um, the other film I saw is Cop Shop. This is yes, the latest yeah. film from John, from, from, uh, Joe Carnahan. Joe, Joe. I was like, John? Joe Carnahan. <laughs> um, a director I really like. I'm a fan of Joe yeah. Carnahan. I didn't see his film from earlier this year, uh, Boss Level, which also stars Frank Grillo, um, which got great reviews, but I just, I, I can't, <laughs> it, I have to make an effort to see that movie, and I didn't want to because I just don't care to see things with Mel Gibson in it. But this mm-hmm. movie <laughs> doesn't have Mel Gibson in it. It has Frank Grillo and uh, Gerard Butler. Um, yeah. And it's, it's very much in the in the realm of like smoke and aces, like a big like crime comedy thing. Uh, right. It plays a lot like a modern Rio Bravo or Assault on Precinct Thirteen, where you have these two guys. One's like a con artist, the other's an assassin. They're both in the same jail, separated mm-hmm. from each other, and other people start to come in to try to go after them. Specifically, Frank Grillo's character, uh, Toby Huss, great character actor, comes in midway through this movie and starts dominating the screen, which is pretty wonderful. <laughs> um, there's a lot of style. It's like it's set now but it certainly has a like a 70s vibe going on as far as what it's trying right. to do with both the, the style of action the minimalism and the, the and the score uh for the movie and um no it's it's really entertaining in addition in addition to grillo right. in addition to grillo butler and huss uh there's a, a newer actor alexis louder who plays like a cop that's involved in all of this mm-hmm. and she's, she's done on some hbo show i forget I, yeah I, i'm not sure offhand but for the movie like th- th- you know you there's a lot of big acting going on and like they all work together quite well as far as what the movie's trying to provide. So like mm-hmm. for a movie like this, that's just straight up an action comedy. Remind, you know what it reminded me of? Uh, Free Fire. Remember that movie from a few years ago yeah. with uh, Army yeah. Hammer and uh, Brie Larson and Charlotte, Charles O'Copley, like all those people. Yeah. Like Everybody's it, got a gun. Like that, speaking of double features, that would be a good double feature as far as like <laughs> very minimalist, but like, you know, high, high energy good comedy good action like it all works out so no i was i was into this one i I, that was the trailer that we talked about when you took your week off i'm aware it was like i don't really care and i think jimmy really (laughs) ended up loving it it's very like you know i i like joe carnahan but like it's certainly it's certainly a small you know it's certainly a smaller scale film compared to like the a team uh but like no it it works it does it does its job i was was quite happy with it so I, i just wanted to point out that if jimmy you loved it I just wanted I just wanted to bring you back to what you said about the trailer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jimmy's never gonna hear this. I'll tell him personally. Um, we'll, we'll tell him on the horror episodes. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. We'll bring it up then. Remember that time that you said that you weren't really that interested in Cop Shop? Yeah. All right. So that's on that's on quickies. Good mark. Let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to our trailer talk, where we talk about when the movies, newest movie trailers of the week, when it's coming out, what have you. This week we're talking the trailer for West Side Story. Uh, this is the the first official trailer. We had like a brief teaser back when the Oscars happened back in when the Oscars happened back in April, uh, but now we have a full trailer. Uh, this is Steven Spielberg's adaptation of West Side Story. It stars uh, Ansel Elgort and Rachel Zegler. 
this is West Side Story, so you got, I think, you know the story already. It's, it's the um, kind of the, the 50s New York version of Romeo and Juliet, <laughs> uh, featuring the Jets and the Sharks. Um, it's, you know, got the got the music by uh, Leonard Bernstein and Stephen Sondheim and all that. And it's the screenplays by Tony Kushner, which I, you know, I, I don't know how much separation there is between this and the original film screenplay, but Tony Kushner... He's responsible for Lincoln and Munich, so I'm inclined to think there's something good going on with that right mm. there. Um, mm-hmm. The film is also still shot by Janusz Kaminski, Spielberg's guy. So I, I'm just putting all this out there because I have I have thoughts on where this is all going to go. But Anna, can I start with you? What did you think of the trailer for West Side Story? Uh, the only thing really is just that seeing this one in comparison to like posters or images or even the like you said the little snippet of the trailer in the oscars is that it's more colorful mm-hmm. it definitely was looking that it was going to just be kind of a drowned out colors and um kind of muted so it's nice to see that it's bright mm-hmm. um but other than that like i don't have any other comments because it's just feels like it's we've discussed before we're just like it's a remix so i don't know what to really be like joyfully anticipating for when it's kind of like a similar story I mean, it's the same movie, right? Unless it's something different that we don't know about. There's a human alien at the end. Because <laughs> <laughs> your work loves aliens. Jets, but I think sharks, that, that... stop. <laughs> stop. <laughs> Friends. I... That's, that's where he's been hiding. He's been hiding in New York. <laughs> this whole time. Yeah. In the sewers. I'll always be left. down here. <laughs> Elliot shows up. Cowabunga. <laughs> Why is he stuck in the 80s? Because <laughs> he met the, the turtles in the sewers. That's it's why. Because turtles in time, Abe. That's why, that obviously. Makes, oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially the turtle in the game. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it it really is colorful. So I think that's what's kind of the biggest change that I've seen. Abe, how about you? Yeah, what's kind of the the thing that struck me the most about this trailer i guess the full-on trailer because um the teaser i you're right i saw it during the super bowl as well and i probably saw Oscars. it at some other point yeah right. and i think one of the things is oh wow they have a really good like flat 1960s look to it like it's still colorful but it's got like the same 1961 west side story look and i was like oh that's cool that they were able to achieve this i'm sure that uh, it's movie magic editing as well as just practical, like, let's paint it this way and let's make it look this way. Um, but beyond that, you know, like what Anna mentioned, same story. So I'm not really expecting much from that, but I, I am looking forward to just the full on production of it because, you know, when Spielberg does something, he kind of just does something with like a lot of effort. Uh, so I think that's kind of what I'm curious about. You were mentioning Kaminsky, and there are certainly some shots in here, like when yeah, Ansel Elgort and yeah. she are like in a church or something. And I was like, this is so like uh, Kaminsky. Yeah. But I, I would be curious about that. I mean, some of it looks like it works. Some looks like I, I might just be slightly annoyed by it. But overall, this movie uh, looks almost I, like a, a really good carbon copy of the 61 one. Uh, and I would be curious to see how it pans out. I uh, I honestly can't wait. I uh, West Side Story is my favorite musical. Like <clears throat> certainly as far as like the kind of 
older fashioned epic musicals go like this is my favorite one but even like in just in general in the whole scheme of things i, I pretty much top this out as, as my favorite one so seeing a new version of it like yeah at, if it was anyone but spielberg i'd be you know a little more hesitant about like seeing another version of west side story but the, frankly i i really like steven spielberg and so if he's gonna make the musical he's always wanted to make he always wanted to make a musical either this or guys and dolls and i'm like okay yeah west side story sure let's see what that is I I am very curious what his musical numbers will look like. Uh, I agree with you that, and I've already hinted at this, but Kaminsky is not my favorite collaboration, ongoing collaboration with him. Mm-hmm. That said, I mean, even from that Oscar trailer, that shot that's overhead of the two gangs as their shadows right. collide, that's still one of my favorite shots of the year. And I haven't seen yeah. the movie yet. So it's like, if there's going to be stuff like that throughout this thing, which I'm, you know, it's a musical, they're supposed to be kind of big. I, I don't expect not to see things like that. I, I, the look of it is not, it's certainly the most intriguing part to me as far as how much I'm going to respond to it. But from what I'm seeing so far, and especially, yes, more in motion, as Anna, you mentioned, as far as the colors and the production, like all of that seems good to me right now. And I'm hoping that the film follows through on this. Uh, So yeah, like I, is it going to be, you know, do you like, do you like those shadows? Because it kind of represents Jaws. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't think of it that way, but I mean, that's not, it's not not hurt. It's not not helping it out. <laughs> it's kind of like teeth, you know, like that, yeah. the poster. I, mean, I just is, thought of it, it when you were I mean, talking. It is, it is the sharks, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, no, I, I. Versus I, the chums. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. And I mean, there's like the bonus aspect of things like, you know, the, 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 um, which side is the sharks? The sharks is the, uh, that's the Puerto Rican side, right? Yes. Yeah. The 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 that the Puerto Rican <laughs> cast is actually made up of Puerto Ricans this time, so that's you know that's a step right there in a new direction. Um, so I mean, yeah, no, there's there's just there's a lot here for me to like look forward to, so I'm mm-hmm. continually expecting a lot of good stuff here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, West Side Story arrives in theaters December 10th, so coming in the next few months. December here. 10th, wow. December 10th, yeah, yeah it's, it's soon. Coming. It's coming. I mean, it got delayed a year for reasons, but no, no, yeah. mm-hmm. it's coming here now. Okay. Well, I just want to say that my hands fit in both Anita's and Maria's handprints at the Grom's Chinese Theater. Boom. Just saying. Good, good to know. They, they, <laughs> I, they should have cast you. I get this. Do they have? Do they have feet footprints? Feet prints sometimes. They, they do. Foot, they do. Yeah. Yeah, it's like their heels. Yeah. Oh, just the heels. Okay. It's less striking. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, like, really oh, put your, your it's like, oh yeah, they, there. yeah, their hands. Also, they put some like smudges on the bottom. Great. I don't like. <laughs> 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 all right. So, with all that out of the way, let's move on now. Let's get to our main review for Cry Macho. You owe me, Mike. You gave me your word, and that used to mean something. My son, Rafael, he's in trouble. I want to get him out of Mexico. You want me to go down there and kidnap him? Please, just get him back up here. Just you? Just me. Hey, Rafa, you can come out now. I'm a friend of the family. Touch me and I'll kick your ass, old man. Jesus Christ. Get in the back. We go and I tell you, okay? Look, the only place you're going to go is the hospital. You get too angry. It's not good for you. You used to be strong, macho. I used to be a lot of things, but I'm not now. 
tell you something. This macho thing is overrated. Just people trying to be macho show that they've got grit. That's about all they end up with. It's like anything else in life. You think you got all the answers. I'm Mike. Marta. And you realize as you get older, you don't have any of them. We all have to make choices in life, kid. You have to make yours. All right. So that should have been some of the trailer for Cry Macho. This is a new neo-Western drama directed by Clint Eastwood, who also stars in the film. It's adapted from a novel by Nick Shank, uh, based off his 1975 novel. I believe he's also responsible for the screenplay, and they said no at the time, you know, all those years ago. And so he's like, all right, so I'll make it into a book. And he did, hmm. and they made it into a screenplay again. And Eastwood has been interested in this thing ever since. The plot follows a former rodeo star, played by Eastwood, who was hired, hired to reunite a young man in Mexico with his father, played by Dwight Yoakam, in the U.S. I'm Among things I'm also aware of, mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood has tried to adapt this multiple times. At one point, back in the, I want to say, early, like late, late, no, late 90s, maybe 2000s, when Roy, Scheider, ah. when Roy Scheider was still alive, he wanted him to star in the film. And, ah. that, and that fell through. And then in 2011, he was trying to get Arnold Schwarzenegger to star in this film as Clint Eastwood's oh. character. Because as Clint Eastwood's character, as Clint Eastwood's okay. character, yes, as the boy. Uh, I was, I was, I was, <laughs> when you mentioned that he no. was trying to make it get it done, I was like, oh, Clint Eastwood's gonna be playing Clint Eastwood's character, and the other actors you're naming would be playing the Dwight Yoakam character. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want you to go to Mexico. Um, no, going to Mexico. <laughs> to my son. No, yeah. The idea was Roy Scheider was at one point there, and then Arnold Schwarzenegger, which that feels just like the Last Stand. It's like this Austrian man's like, oh. I've found my way here, and now I have to go to Mexico. <laughs> That's been, interesting. I've been the sheriff of this small town for 15 years, and it's look like at us now. <laughs> a Western Terminator, or just, you know, get Western Western, so. yeah, I'm but glad it didn't way, go that way, because it's interesting. By the way, Aaron and I haven't had this segment on the show yet, but we have a connection to Arnold Schwarzenegger, and we'll, we're, we're going to do it for the show one day. <laughs> well... <laughs> With all of that said, Clint Eastwood did end up starring in the film, and he's, of course, mm-hmm. made it now, uh, which is open this weekend on HBO Max and the theaters. So, with all of that said, Abe, let's start with you. What did you think of Cry Macho? Cry Macho is an interesting movie because there are a lot of elements in it that remind me of, um, I guess, uh, Westerns, and I guess the, the category genre that you're calling is, is neo-Western. Um, and it also has a lot of laughs in it. It's semi-dramatic. Um, but ultimately, like, does it all really work? Kind of? Not really? The thing that I really took away from this is, you know, uh, minus all, like, the politics, minus all, like, the things I'm going to say about this movie in, in a second here. It's like, Clint Eastwood just really loves making movies. Yes. And I'm really glad to see him at, like, 91 years old or whenever he mm-hmm. shot this, at like 88, 89, making a movie. And... Can you tell that it's like single takes or at most two takes? Yes, you can. And is the script the most amazing script? Not really. But it's pretty cool to see this 91-year-old man walking around with uh, known or unknown actors uh, and make this movie. So the movie itself is – it's an interesting movie because it has elements of drama, comedy, 
family, whatever else. But you know, none of it's really explored. None of it really gets to you to the cut to the cut to the core of what you're uh, of what I think that Clint Eastwood's trying to give you, um, especially by the end of this movie. Uh, in the in in the gift that that uh, the young boy Raphael gives to uh, Clint Eastwood, um, but you know, like as I was watching it, I, I couldn't help but laugh at certain scenes and think to myself, like you know, WTF? But in a very light-hearted, fun way. Like it 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 isn't a movie that is gonna. I don't think it's gonna last in my memory banks of that was a really good movie from 2021. Um, but it certainly is a movie that I would say if you are curious about movie making or if you're curious about um not so much like uh not so much like huge productions but it's like if you're curious about just like the elements of movie making whether that is uh, simple writing or um uh staging of scenes and or casting and or um uh what should we call it uh like setting like sets uh-huh. uh, and production design I think that this is actually a movie that you could watch and you can peel apart and you could really do a study on it because it is simple in that regard. However, the movie itself is just not very good. And it's unfortunate because I think that there are some some interesting elements of it, but it's kind of like a wash. It's not very um, – I think there's a lot of themes in here that aren't explored, whether that is uh, father-son relationships, um, you know, U.S.-Mexico relationships, or even Clint Eastwood's past historical – I, it, to some degree, sometimes this feels like a um, an atonement of some sorts of like, hey, you know, like I might have made some blunders in the past and here's I'm not really that guy. It's like, well, you know, I don't know. There's it doesn't really work out. So it's not it's not a very good movie, but it's also a good movie for you to understand and digest if you were curious about movie making. I quite like this movie. Um I'm not gonna say. Well, I guess East... I'll just leave now. I'm not gonna say it's one of Eastwood's best, but I do like this movie. I I think it's very unassuming, and mm-hmm. I can agree as far as it's not going to linger in my mind in the same way certain other Eastwood films have, let alone other films I've seen recently. But I I do think that I agree with you as far as filmmaking, as far as far as like what Eastwood's doing with just making this movie to begin with. I I think there's. I mean, for one thing, it's a beautifully shot movie. This is from uh, cinematographer Ben Davis, who uh, he shot a lot of these Marvel movies recently. And it's such a neat like thing to be like, oh, look, when he's not doing that, he can make something that has like life to it. Like we've mm-hmm. talked about these Eternals trailers a couple times and how Chloe Zhao seems to like have more control over the visuals going on compared to other standard Marvel movies. This reminds me of that as far as like free up Ben Davis from doing the same old thing with Marvel. And it's like, yeah, look at all these great shots of just the land that they should be filmed in New Mexico for most of this movie. It's like, yeah, it looks really good. Um, and I think that applies to a lot of what Eastwood's doing here. I don't think there is a necessity to make this weightier than it needs to be because he's a 91 year old man. I mean, what mm-hmm. else does he need to prove at this point? He's made so many movies and even more like from unforgiven to, to more recently. I mean, that's been some of the meatiest films that he's made of his career as far as like movies that are attempting to say something at this point is like, does he need to say anything? And that doesn't, that doesn't excuse the movie, but at the same time Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. taking it for what it is, I'm not watching this movie thinking Eastwood's desperately trying to get an Oscar. He has two directing Oscars. Like what else does he need here? Like, I'm just thinking he's wanting to make this story that he's had sitting around in his, like his room for, (laughs) for decades at this point. And he did. And I, there, there are elements I do think are, not necessarily problematic, but just aren't as successful. Like the, the whole him getting the sun part that's towards the beginning. 
it i mean it it just feels like a tele telenovela obviously like the way the mother is reacting to this and like the, how she's playing it's like what's oh, this yeah, what's yeah. this movie like get me out of here and right. once they do the I rest... think you're talking about, like, the exposition that happens all no, in the like, first, like, two minutes of the no, movie. No, yeah, the Dwight Yoakam stuff is fine. It's just like, yeah, it's Dwight right. Yoakam, so it's acted well enough because they're both good. But, like, yeah. once, he, once he initially gets to Mexico, I'm like, all right, this is this is too much of this. Let's get it. And they do. They get away from it pretty quickly. Right. And the rest of the movie, I just think, is pretty nice. Like, I just, yeah. I, I just like this relationship. I The drama that ensues from there, it's, like, inevitable, but it, Eastwood's not, the, you know, he doesn't tend to point too hard at things when he's trying to delve into drama or delve into like right. the themes of his drama like he yeah he's able to explore it by leaving things fairly ambiguous or just like presenting it without having to say too much which is something i really like about his best films some of them mm-hmm. more recently he's tried to have more of a stamp as far as what he's leaning on but before that like you know something like million dollar baby for example it's not trying to give you a a, a great message as far as what he's exactly trying to say. Just I, pers- I think a lot of audiences were turned off at the end of that movie. <laughs> I mean, it also won Best Picture and was a huge hit. So I mean, it was like a message. It's like mm, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's actions that happen in that movie, but as far as what he's trying right. to say, he's not spelling out an answer for you. He just yeah, said yeah. he just presents the thing as it is, and this is doing that again. It's less weighty than something like Million Dollar mm-hmm. Baby or Unforgiven. But in terms of like a simple story that he's putting out there, yeah, I, I I can agree that it's not the most like exciting, but it's not trying to be that exciting. It's just it sits there as a you know more contemplative film about this man who's lived a life clearly, and he explains mm-hmm. some of what's happened, and he he has a job to get done, and he just has a goal of doing it, and he you know has mm-hmm. some mild adventures on the way. And as it as as that as far as that goes, I enjoyed it. I I dug yeah. what I was getting from. <laughs> From 91-year-old Clint Eastwood, who made a very good-looking movie. I, I, I appreciate what was there. But, uh, Anna, how about you? Where are you with Cry Macho? Yeah, I agree with some of your sentiments of it being the simplicity of it. But um, I really do like this movie. I feel like it's when Aaron and I just finished watching it mm-hmm. before recording this, that it's basically going to be my number one movie of this year. Spoilers. Um <laughs> And so the reason being is just, again, like you have echoed about simplicity. And if you think about, you know, the Western formula and like the cliches, it's actually all present in this film. And even though he's not like, you know, Eastwood's character, Mike is not a old, you know, gunslinger. He's still that mysterious cowboy and he's still that lone wolf as well. So he has a mission that he's been given by you know, Dwight, who plays Polk, who in a way can be like seen as that the cowboy with a black hat or the trench coat, you know, uh-huh. as you kind of see at the end of the movie. Um, and so he gives him this task and he goes about it like a cowboy would. And then it's just him going on this road. Um, and yeah, you talk about the mother, about like that kind of like seems like that's the the scene of like lawlessness and like the the evil frontier he has to get through. And you may not have like some like hang him high type moments with like news or anything, but he does throw a punch and gets in some um, brawls there. And you have like the simplicity again of like, he meets the woman with the kiddos and it's just like, kind of like in any of those movies of the old Westerns with the, the saloon and someone comes in to um, help them out. And I think, all of that, like those, again, like those formulas, it's interesting to see in this film where it's like, again, looking at 
those original cowboy films where it's, of course, a cowboy on, how, on horseback, where instead you can see that with this film, but they're in cars instead, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like my takeaway and just like Clint Eastwood telling the story of kind of like another trope of like an end of an era, right? Yeah. Where you typically see in, in the Western films and kind of like the, the Old West, that's the, the end of the story there. So it becomes a trope itself. It's It's very... Like Abe was saying, it's something to probably like watch and kind of you can take clips and learn from it for sure. Mm -hmm. And what stuck out with me, too, was just like it being so simple, it's very heartfelt. And yes, you have this boy who has the rooster. And I I don't know if I'm thinking of it more in like symbolic slash metaphor ways of like macho. But if you look at Clint Eastwood and all his films he's done as a cowboy, it's kind of like what he's been represented as, as the macho cowboy. And it's so interesting to see the story where it gets into that in a way where it's like, as you, you know, get older, you get wiser. Macho. Yeah. Well, macho is still there, but it's a different way of looking at it. So like he's been known, he's been known being like the macho cowboy, but he's still that, but in a slightly, slightly different tone. And, it's interesting to just kind of mirror those and it's probably like one of those films like I'm sure he thought out clearly as possible of like having those formulas and everything kind of combining together as a western film in 2021 mm-hmm. and I think it's a job well done and I mean we can get into more but it, it's really great you're you're you hit on something that really hit me right there because after just watching Unforgiven again for the commentary where mm-hmm. that's a movie that I, I mean, that's my favorite Eastwood movie. It, the way that movie tackles just the nature of like what it is to be a, a gunslinger, what it is to be a violent mm-hmm. person in the old West, and compared to what I really like about Unforgiven, is compared to is the you know the Leone westerns or what have you. That's Unforgiven's a movie where it's like it sucks to be this person. Like you <laughs> going through this life and killing people is horrible and it leaves scars. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. Anna, what you just tapped into there with this movie that I, I mean, these are pretty hot takes as we just watched this movie. Um, right. <laughs> so I'm trying, I'm like, I'm still kind of forming my whole opinion on it, but no, I, I really like cry macho for the way. Yes. It's like exploring masculinity once again, where it's like, mm-hmm. now we're like leaving the violence out for the most part. Now we're just focused on what is it to be a man? What is it to be a person at, at that point in your life? Like, what have you taken away from all that? And if Eastwood wanted to be, you know, a, a gruff old man who picks any fight he can and tries to take things, you know, guns blaze in any any situation that, you know, calls the opportunity for it, he could do that. But that's not who this character is. This character is a guy yeah. who's like, look, I don't want to fight. I don't want to pull a gun. I don't want to do much. I just want to, like, be able to, you know, to go into my twilight, you know, into these twilight years of mine feeling as peaceful as I can and dealing with what I need to. And this Mm -hmm. this, this is a movie where, yeah, he doesn't pull a gun. I mean, there's drama that ensues, but like, for one thing, thing, he's not, he's not, he's not, he's 91 years old. So it's not like he's going to get into a giant fist fight. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, but 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 he does, he puts him, he positions, I was just going to say real quick, he just positions himself in a way where he can stand up to somebody and talk to them and be, be as mean as he, or be as, grizzled as he wants to be but he can do all of that without having to get into you know engage in more violence and i think that movie's, mm-hmm. i think the movie's very much trying to emphasize that right because like he's just saying that it's just kind of of course another element they need to throw in because a western needs a final showdown 
And there's nothing here, like you're saying, he is an older, you know, gentleman. So we don't think he's going to end up being like full on going off and punching someone or slinging a gun. But he has a punch here and there. But like, I don't think it's really about that. Like, you know, it's again, taking the term of macho and defining it of how you are when you're younger. And then as you get older mm-hmm. and it's and especially as a cowboy in Western film. So it's very interesting, again, to just dive into that Abe, that's kind of like my takeaway from that mm-hmm. abe what you're gonna say um, what was i gonna say i don't know <laughs> <laughs> well, real quick just to no. I mean, not not to get not to dig too far into the ending but there is a shot that i think is very purposeful as far as how positions eastwood and dwight yokum where mm-hmm. a different movie would have a different kind of ending that would be more mm-hmm. violent and I think that's very much set up based off the kind of the, the gap between them, the standoff type positioning, the clothes that they're wearing. I, I Eastwood's not dumb. You know, I mean, he's, he's been doing this a long time. He's not putting that kind of shot in there because he doesn't want you to think about certain things. So it's like I again, I can agree it's not like super you know heavy on theme, but the, yeah. they are there. Like he is trying to no. do something. Yeah, you guys are totally right about about those themes. And Anna, your your parallels to it with um old westerns versus uh all the stuff that are becoming that that are much more modern in terms of cars versus horse chases um that's all true it's actually super um thoughtful uh but obviously there's there's you know just elements of it that i'm not disagreeing with anything you guys are saying i think it's just more of when i'm watching this movie as a whole um yeah it, it just makes you laugh did you guys laugh like i sort of oh, it's got some beats ironically sometimes oh, uh, it's yeah. got some, it's got a mix of just making intentional sure, and it unintentional like, humor. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Just making sure. Like, it's like, yeah, there's like unintentional <laughs> comedy here, and, and I, I don't know if he's going for it, but that adds to the level of, ah, yes, I know what you're going for, and I know that it's not super heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, like what Aaron is saying, like it's he's a 91-year-old man. Like he can't have like those those scenes where he's run off the road. Mm-hmm. That's not him <laughs> in the car. Or like when he's breaking the horse, and it's like. I mean, it's very obviously shot, so it's shadows went up close, and then it's just a shot of just him moving up and down as if like, he's breaking or, a horse. Or just, like, on, on, like, a chair, like a revolving chair. <laughs> yeah. so, but yeah, that's yeah, what I mean. They're... Yeah, no, it's, it's shot, so you're not seeing him on the horse when he's breaking the horse. Like, right. it's very clear. But it's like, again, it's like, I don't think Eastwood's above, like, having a, self, a sense of humor about himself as far as, like, yeah, right. this is going to look a certain way. I mean, like. Yeah, I, I think like the the thing that I would uh, agree with the most is is honest parallels to the old west. Like this is one of those guys that comes into town like a strange town and just they're like, who is this guy? And he kind of just he was at one point maybe like this uh, or Aaron, you to your point earlier. He's a man on a mission and he's focused on that. But then, you know, the the layers start unraveling um, and you get to the core of this person who is just this guy who is just overall a nice guy uh, but mm-hmm. yeah like i don't know i i certainly have more things that that didn't work for me either but i can't disagree like i, I it's not though i'm like trying to find um you know poke holes in both your uh takes on this no, I hear you. it's really just that you guys are totally right and i i see all that too you know what i mean so I mean, that's, that's why just, it's like yeah I think that's just where our focus is as far as like what is it that's giving us a kind of po- a more positive feel than not on there at least for me but hey, what 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 are some specific things it didn't work mm-hmm. yeah it's not that it didn't work it's just that i felt as though like the the um some of the writing just doesn't work and 
I think like some of the um, action beats just don't really work. But again, it's not as though they. I, it's not as though I was expecting a huge gun chase. Like I think that the example I would give is uh, we all know the writing. We all we all uh, I think can kind of see that. And these actors here pull it off well enough. Versus like something like Gran Torino, which hurts me to say because. I am home. <laughs> but, um, I can agree you know, because I was thinking that a little bit too because you have a – I know he's been in a lot of uh, uh, Mexican TV shows, but the young mm-hmm. actor who plays uh, uh, Rafael, um, uh, Eduardo Minette, yeah, mm-hmm. like he – you know, he's not the strongest performer, but especially when you're standing next to mm-hmm. Hollywood legend Clint Eastwood. I get that. Right. Mm-hmm. I do think he's stronger than, yes, yeah, some of the Hmong actors in Gran Torino, but you, Gran can, Torino, yeah. you can see a similar thing there as far as – you know, he wants to get a level of authenticity, which is something I always like crediting Eastwood for. Honestly, yeah, of course. It's, always like, it's not, you know, mm-hmm. he didn't half-ass it. He didn't have to. He yeah. just, if he wanted to get, you know, random Asian actors to portray this specific people, he but could it, have. It was, but like, yeah, he, but he, it was cool that he opened up the casting for yeah. real Hong Americans to yes. be in this movie, which is great. But, you know, the point of the, the It point still affects to, the movie. I agree with you. It does, yeah. And the point that I'm trying to just bring is not so much like the quality of the acting per se. More like the lines that they're given, like because it sounds the like Clint Eastwood is sometimes it sounds like he's ad libbing it, but um, you know the lines just aren't they're not super deep, but that's really not the point of the movie. And the action scenes are hilarious because it's just like um, to Aaron's point, there's there's a, a mother here, a mother character, and she's like follow those guys, and he shows up like every now and again, and he um, sucks, he sucks at his and job, and he sucks, yeah, he's terrible. <laughs> It's like a Starburst commercial where it's like the bad guy just like gets spoiled and he throws sand in the air. You know, like it's like this is hilarious. But I, I'm sure that there was like a different take that maybe Clint wanted to go for. With all that being said, it, it's almost like a like um uh like a, a grindhouse type of villain, like that is not the main villain. Um he's just like, Oh, you took my gun, man. I mean those are my those are the elements that um that I mean they bring it down for me as far as yes, it's not the top tier of Clint Eastwood films, but it it's certainly like they're very much a choice, right? Like because again, yes, Eastwood yeah. knows what he's putting on screen. And I'm not saying that makes it the best, but I can I can agree yeah, like that's the same thing I was saying with the mother stuff, where it just feels like this is like, you know, corny telenovela things that are like happening within this other story about this right. man and the and a boy bonding. Where you have like this kind of big acting moments that are coming merely to make a case for the film's narrative to give it some kind of push and give it some kind of stakes, but that's not you know that's clearly not the heart of the film. So it's just like when when that stuff comes in there, yes, it 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 breaks the tone. I think is the best way I can put it. And it just is it feels kind of ironically funny when I'm watching it. it, But yeah, (laughs) yeah. With all that being said, the the larger theme of of uh, being a human and kind of relating to others um, and then also having this this boy um, kind of start to make you question your own morality at some points. Like that stuff is I wish that that was like a little, a little bit deeper because there is like a very, really nice scene at the end of the movie, again, with like a gift exchange. And I was like, I wish that there was more to this, but they're really I, I guess visually you're supposed to make that connection. But on an emotional level, I just didn't because, you know. This is not really there. Uh, Aaron had mentioned like there's other scenes of them interacting where it really does give me a really good feeling of of this is nice. Like um, and that's like with all the horse breaking scenes and kind of just like them uh, milling about that little town uh, that they're in. Yeah, the, but, the relationship he forms with Marta, I I like how it how I mean, it's a there's a lack of dialogue there. It's a lot of sure. like obviously there's some because there's translation going on, which is 
you know it's and you know it involves it involves Raphael and whatnot but like there's a lot of like glances and nods to kind of get you to what that relationship's supposed to be and yeah I, I like that I like how subtle that stuff is I, I like that it's not riding on it being this you know big epic thing it's just more of like yeah and then this happened and then this happened but it, it's so subtle to the point where at the end of this movie Clint Eastwood <laughs> speaks and understands Spanish you know what I mean like there's a scene where it's like yes he's a, he's a smart guy no, I know, but but that's kind of like the that's how long that they've been there, and it's hilarious how long they've been there. And Dwight Yoakam's like, I thought that this was gonna be five days. Oh, you're right, you know, I, I I was I said to Otto while we were watching it, it's like, when's he gonna get back to you to Texas? Like this is yeah, taking I so. Long. I was like, wait, how long does his visa stay last for? But um, I, obviously, like there is also this. Not that I I had this point of view and I had this take, but there is the take of like, well, this is white guy savior again. Um. And helping out uh, people of color and helping them get to where they need to get to in the land of prosperity. Yes, I guess there's that take too, but I never saw it that way. It's I kind of just see it. I, as, no, like, I don't think it's that. Again, like just taking from the title, like for me, just watching the film not too long ago, like that's what stood out the most. Again, like because again, like we always know the lone wolf character to be like this gruff masculine character that has no emotion, doesn't really wants to work by themselves and that's not the aspect of Mike you know he still is that lone wolf but then he like you guys talking about the guy that's supposed to be doing a job but he's doing a horrible job but it just shows like he's supposed to be tough and gruff but like macho like strong but he really isn't so it just shows like these different layers of right. masculinity and everything and like how it's portrayed and so like when he does give him that gift I feel it's like more of the child or the kid telling Mike of like, you are still strong. Like he's old. He's still, he's still strong in other ways. Like maybe strong minded, you know, he clearly can teach him some things here and there is like teaching a dog new tricks. So he, he can teach, I think, was it Rafa? Is it Raphael? Rafa is Raphael. His nickname is, or his like short name is Rafa. So just, you know, bring him under his wing work. And this, kid just like realizing oh because he keeps talking like tough like he's strong but like right, right. he realizes that all, mike is also strong so I mean, and like his stat i mean eastwood's status is yes a, a gringo in mexico i mean that's just circumstance like it's not like he's curing the town of anything he's just a guy that happens to be nice like it's not yeah a, no I, yeah. and again it's not i know i'm not take. saying yeah i'm not saying you're assigning these thoughts yeah, to yeah. It, but it, 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 as far as that cool. argument goes it's like right that's, right that's not there's movies where that is very much the case this is not mm-hmm. one of them like this is not I that movie right. <laughs> also i'm glad that they didn't really emphasize a lot of it i mean it kind of just comes to pass with some of the characters kind of giving the side eye and it's like hey man yeah, like I mean, what's it's, up? Yeah, it's a road but movie with also, some fish out of water stuff in it that's all yeah, it's, yeah. and it's it's mm-hmm. like um some like the animal sequence here and there but again i i never saw that i kind of saw those as played for laughs and even when like <laughs> i i love that we get two sets of the same dialogue in in a scene sometimes where somebody speaks spanish and then Kalinisu <laughs> is like what'd she say and then uh, Rafa has to translate all of it, uh, and it's it's pretty great. But, um, you know, that makes me laugh, too, because just the way that I guess it was written, and I didn't know this was adapted from um, a book, but, uh, you know, the, the line where it's like, well, she said that you're not even really the sheriff. You're just like the sheriff's deputy, and you would have never gotten the job unless uh, the sheriff was your uncle or something. I was like, that's, you know, who writes this stuff? This is like really well done. So it's pretty funny <laughs> when you hear some of it. And, again, it's funny – on a funny level sometimes it's funny on an ironic level other times um 
but yeah, if you want to dig more into it, not you guys here, but if you, the uh, the royal you, wanted to get, dig more into it, you can find so many things to pick apart about this from a theme standpoint of um, of what we talked about here with like the white savior complex. But I, I kind of just viewed it as, yeah, this is a guy who loves making movies, made, making another movie. I applaud him for it. Is it a movie that's for me? Not really, but... And that's completely fair. Like, I get that. Like, I, the, it, it's, it's not, it's not essential. I, I can understand that. But it's like, at yeah. the same time, I'm just not looking, I mean, I'm not looking for essential all the time for some of these movies. And it's like, of course, mm-hmm. yeah, not at all, not at all. I mean, like, you know how, like, I talked about The Green Knight, you and I talked about The Green Knight, like, uh-huh. like three weeks ago. And I was like, man, this is a movie where I was like, I'm so mad that I couldn't, I couldn't make this movie. I didn't have the I kind of am bummed out that I never even thought about like a simplistic movie like this or how to shoot a movie like this. You know, obviously I'm also just, you know, not in the, I don't have deep pockets like Clint Eastwood who makes, you know, probably he's got savings upon savings from all of his. his yeah, but he, he also makes movie. cheap movies. I mean, this is like 30 million. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I was going to say like, this doesn't look very expensive, but none of his movies. Um, are. That's why he's been able to make movies so long. Cause he makes inexpensive movies. He's the he's, original Blumhouse and he's, and he's Clint Eastwood. So he gets a, you know, he already has the appeal going in. So. But yeah, this is another movie where it's like, Oh man. Yeah. I'm, I'm like movies don't have to be complex. Like, no, uh, like a, a Nolan movie. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. They could just be a, a simple story like this with simple characters. And all you really need is, is like the grit and gusto to try and make a movie like this. And so, yeah, I, I do admire it from that point of view. Sure. Can, we, can we talk about how good looking this movie is a little bit more? Because I, I mean, it's, it yeah, just... there, there's like beautiful shots at night, and I was like, this is oh yeah, when they're just like camping out in the uh, well. First of all, he camps out by himself once, and mm-hmm. then he camps out with Rafa the other time. And it's like this is really well done. Like you know, these night shots are kind of hard to procure, and it didn't seem as though they had additional lighting. So probably digital, but the campfire is is really well shot. There also are like beautiful like um sunset sunset shots. Mm-hmm. And the shot that I found like hilarious, but also just a really good shot is when uh, their car gets stolen and then you see them walking and it, it's like, you know, those um, dissolve, uh, mm-hmm. dissolve and I was like, yeah, they didn't really get that far. But, you know, I, I get what the shot is telling me. Anna, do you have any other thoughts? I on liked the... it, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that shot because of the roosters in the middle. It's, it's funny. <laughs> um. But I know the production design is really nice. The landscapes, um, I really like the the mountains and the road, you know, those shots. And like Abe was saying that the the campfire as well. Like it's you're not wrong. It looks great. Like for for that cost of a film. Yeah, no, it it uh having having good people behind the you know behind the camera works you know it helps out and it's Clint Eastwood so I you know it's the kind of thing where it's like I don't think people are really saying no to him as far as like mm-hmm. yeah I want to work on a Clint Eastwood movie why would I say no to that um but I mean you're not wrong about the the, the thing about the rooster which is a very well-trained rooster by the way it comes in yes. handy quite yeah, a bit I I, that too. macho <laughs> macho does the job the, the rooster's name is macho by the way and yes it, it uh it, it it's good animal acting as far as what they needed to get the thing to do. Yeah. It really is. But the, but something <laughs> I really like gentle Ben exactly not like him at all. But something I really like about much about like what I'm trying to say is roosters look good on camera. And in, in terms of they, like the, the way that he had his feathers you know, exactly the, the sheen it, of it. Yeah. Yes, they look. They they have great silhouettes. Like you could really mm-hmm. you know you know what a rooster looks like because by based on its silhouette. Not all animals mm-hmm. are like that. Some are because obviously like a giraffe or whatever. But like a rooster, just the way it's 
the way he's shooting it, and there's a lot, and there's a lot of hero shots that I notice this a lot. There's a lot of de- you know cameras from a down angle looking mm-hmm. up at Macho that yeah. that really I think re- it's going for something there. Uh, I you know if I spent more time thinking about this, I probably have more to say on that aspect. But I did not notice that there there's a lot of very deliberate angles that they're putting with with uh, with Macho <laughs> when you when you see right. it on camera and how it interacts with with um, with Mike. And and Rafa, which I I enjoyed. There's there's one shot where um, it's uh, where where is it? Um, it's when the the bet like the the annoying bad guy he first comes after them, and then <laughs> like and and Macho keeps kind of like pecking at his leg, and then, mm-hmm. the, then the other guys come and kind of solve the situation. But when they're like, let's <laughs> yeah. get in the, now let's get in the car and go, you see it's the shot from below where he calls Macho, and Macho just jumps up onto Rafa's arm, and it's this, like, hero moment. It's like it's, yeah, it's as if they're, like, that. mounting their horses and riding off into the sunset all of a sudden. It's like, exactly. There's some right. cool stuff there that I was like, this is, there's a little more to this than, than just yeah, the story. Yeah. So it's like, that's that's the that's, kind of stuff I can admire. It's the kind of stuff that puts me over the top as far as, yes, I, you know, as I've been saying, there's not a whole lot here, but at the same time, it's like, there's some, there's a lot of good stuff that I appreciate. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, and, and maybe you know, that's that... allowed. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying that scene specifically. Like, that's that's a really good take on um, the the theme of the of the situation as well as like what the purpose of Macho is and and who mm-hmm. Macho is uh, and who Macho is. But the other part about that scene is what's hilarious is uh, guys, he's trying to steal my son. It's like, no, I'm not his son. <laughs> Check out all these bruises on my back. Like, oh, this guy's a bad guy. Mob rule, let's go, guys. Get your pitchforks. Yeah, like, oh, this guy must be the... and I love the sound effects that they had there. Where yeah. it was like, because <laughs> 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 they're not beating him up, but they're just like, well, guys, look as though you're like roughing him up a little bit, and I'll put in the sound effects later. <laughs> but yes, that's that's that like why so it's like I am like on the split side of like I yeah, that's a great you brought up a great macho, <laughs> uh, and then the, the but the scene itself when you're watching a player, you're like. This is this is kind of funny. <laughs> that rooster has some good acting skills because there's that scene where like he takes a nap. That's a great scene. <laughs> and the rooster's right there, and he, he makes his little you know sound to wake up. And they he looks they like have the the eye line. It's just it's pretty good. Um, but maybe also how Aaron brought up that whole scene with him like picking at the leg and like riding off the horse. That's such a good um, representation of that. Mm-hmm. But also it's just like maybe allowing room for like something like this, like an animal to take on the more furious approach to life or furious approach to life than, mm-hmm. you know, you as an individual, because it's definitely like what's playing out as Eastwood being the more patient, um, having the patience of life and have learning that. Cause I think even in the movie, he has a moment, he says like the matcha thing is overrated. Yeah. And, and, uh, Again, that's why this is all sticking out. It's still so fresh, too, for me as well. But, like, I just really liked it because a lot of people end up seeing, like, movies that are slow or boring or it's just too much. But, like, I I like sim- simple films. Um, that's why I, for 10 years of, you know, curated short films and look for films that can just give you something in a in a short time span instead of, like, two-hour films, which there's nothing wrong for two-hour films, but, like, Here's a film that you can definitely, you know, learn from, even from the Western standpoint of like the the tropes and formulas being used, which is very interesting. So I'm looking forward to revisiting this one again. Yeah, yeah I, I I can agree with you as far as like enjoying the you know minimalist 
approaches to filmmaking, but also just like films that know what they're trying to do. And mm -hmm. I, this doesn't feel like a film that's been compromised because no one, <laughs> Clint Eastwood doesn't have to report to anybody as far as the studio goes. Like, oh, can you take out this scene? He's like, I'm Clint Eastwood. Like, what is he going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I, th I feel like the movie, it knows exactly what it's trying to be. Do I, do, do I agree with Abe that there are some unsuccessful parts as far as some of the acting or the writing goes? Yes, of course. I don't think it's perfect by any means, but I do think the movie, it has the right head on its shoulders as far as what it's trying to get across and like how it's trying to accomplish that. And that's, I appreciate that. Right. Any other yeah. thoughts on Cry Macho before we uh, move on? Give our rating? Let's get to it. When should people go and see this movie? It's currently available in theaters and on HBO Max. Abe, when should people see Cry Macho? Hang on, there's a car passing right by. Oh, it passed. Okay. Uh, <laughs> there. This is a movie that is accessible on HBO Max, and, and our old scale uh, rating of uh, of uh, movies to streaming services. I say that like, that's an appropriate place. It's a streaming service movie, so um, not HBO specifically on our old scale. Probably more of like a Netflix stream. But yes, it's available on HBO Max. That's perfectly an okay place for you to check it out. Like there, there's other movies that are that take this concept and do it better. Whether that's like Wolverine, I'm sorry, Logan, uh, or uh, you know, maybe even like the writer, or what have you. But uh, you know, for what it is, it's a perfectly good streaming movie. Anna, I would say um, either theater or streaming. If you have access to the HBO Max, then you can definitely sit at home and watch it. But I would definitely say um, put it at the top of the queue or to go see it at a theater. There you go. Uh, I would. I mean. I think this is a perfect kind of, you know, early afternoon movie to watch and enjoy. Like, I, mm -hmm. I do think that makes a difference. I think, like, if you're going to, like, Saturday night to see a movie and you're like, cry macho, I do think, yeah, it's not going to be all that, like, riveting to be like, okay, this is pretty moody. Like, unless you're in that exact mood. But I think as far as, you know, for a, for an early a, a matinee to watch, this one, it's a nice, relaxing movie. That's very nice. Mm -hmm. So, like, I would say, yeah, like, HBO Max, or if there is, like, an early showing at a theater that you feel comfortable going to, yeah, go for it. But I do think the movie's successful. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we've done it. We've cried macho, guys. <laughs> we've talked all about it. Let's uh, let's move on we now. We did it. Mm -hmm. let's, uh, let's get to... Uh, hey, what, uh, what time is it here? Aaron, it's time for a quick game. Oh, no. <laughs> macho. Oh. <laughs> that was well done. I didn't know that uh, Macho could play the xylophone. He's an impressive uh, uh, game. He he wanted to for the end of Gran Torino, but then he just figured I'd just use a regular. Macho piano. is in Gran Torino. <laughs> no, he he wanted he wanted to do the same Macho theme for Gran Torino, but then oh, he's like, I'll just oh. I'll just sing the theme instead myself and use a simple piano. But he but he held off, and now he, he was already able to bring it back here. Then they did, uh, then they deleted that. <laughs> I got a game for you guys this week. It's called Clint, Scott, or Neither. This is a the game where I'm going to name the title of a movie. No buzzing in, because you guys are both going to get a chance. I'm going to come to each one of you individually. I'm oh, gonna wow. Name, you tell me if it's a Scott Eastwood movie, <laughs> a Clint Eastwood movie, or either of them. Okay. Okay. So, Anna, this is why it's an easy game. <laughs> Okay, I right. hope so. <laughs> I'll, I'll be alternating back and forth, right? So okay. here we go. Uh, Aaron, mm -hmm. Where Eagles Dare. That's a Clint Eastwood movie. That is a Clint Eastwood movie, yes. Should have given you a harder one. <laughs> that, was, that was the first one that popped out. Uh, Anna, 
Trouble with the Curve. That's like an Eastwood movie. Sure about that? Yes, Clint yes. Eastwood. <laughs> Trouble with the Curve. I like Clint Eastwood, so like this is probably an easy game. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to create the suspense here, guys. Oh, okay, okay. Are you I'll sure? Do, Are, do you want to lock that? I, I, I want to be my best Regis Philbin here. Are you sure about that? Uh, I don't know. Aaron. Aaron. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, cold sweat. I'm going to say that's a Scott Eastwood movie. That is not a Scott Eastwood movie. Okay. <laughs> Anna, cold sweat. Cold sweat. Hmm. So it's not Scott Eastwood. Not Scott. So it must be Clint Eastwood. Well, well he or said neither. it's he said it's Clint oh, Scott or neither. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. You said that right. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'm gonna go with neither. That is correct. That is a Charles Bronson movie. Ah. Cold sweat. Anna, you get that point here. Cold sweat. Uh, but Anna, you also uh, get to go first in this one because Aaron went first in the last one here. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, my palms are sweaty. <laughs> You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. The Longest Ride. Longest Ride. Oh, that is um Scott Eastwood. It is. We saw that movie. That's one, yeah. <laughs> we saw that movie because... I had to review the Blu-ray. <laughs> no, but didn't because the Grindhouse got rained out. It that was so, part of it. Yes, we were gonna see Grindhouse yes. at the Hollywood at the Cinespia, uh, the Hollywood yes. uh, Cemetery, and it got rained out that day. So we came back. This home. is why. This is why I remember this movie. Well, and our, and I was our, trying to throw everybody off here because I was like, oh, that sounds like a good Clint Eastwood movie, you know, August Night, <laughs> Bad yeah. Boys. But I had I the like, no, I, it's like a it's a romance. <laughs> I, I had the I had the Blu-ray to review, so we watched that instead. <laughs> Is that there's like a flashback thing in that one? Is that the thing? Yes, there yeah. is. Okay. Is that that's one where like he gets, gets paralyzed or something? Or it's not that one. Not it's, that, oh, but it's, okay. it's, 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 a, Sparks it's a Sparks movie. movie. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Sparks because it's him and Tomorrowland Girl, Britt Robertson. Yeah, and yes. There, and there's like a flash. There's like a flashback because like he's like a rodeo guy or whatever. And like, something like, happens to him. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> the next one here. <laughs> the China Syndrome. Aaron? The China Syndrome? That's what you said? Yeah. The China mm-hmm. Syndrome. That's neither. Neither of them. That is neither. Yes, that's a Michael Douglas movie. Yeah. And Michael Jack Douglas. Lemon, I think? Probably. You're probably right. I think that's the... Yeah. The next one here. Anna. Mm-hmm. Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. You said Thunderbolt? Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Thunderbolt and Light. Uh, Clint Eastwood. <laughs> it kind of made me think. It made me think of that truck movie that Aaron and I watched for a second. I'm like, wait a minute. No. The truck movie. <laughs> that monster truck movie for a second. Cause monster truck. How it, Mon- there you go. I was like, wait a minute. Oh, with uh, uh with Scott MacGyver. Summers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wait, you went with MacGyver. Everyone's Scott Summers. Yeah. Well, it's not Scott. He's, he's Scott Summers' brother. What is he? Oh, Alex ha- Summers. Alex Summers. Havoc. Yeah. yeah. Have it, yeah. yeah, Thunderbolt Life, that's a great one with him and uh, Jeff Jeff um, Bridges. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Partner in crime. Mm-hmm. The next one here. Aaron, this is for you. Yeah. 
Shannon's Rainbow. Shannon's Rainbow. <laughs> um, Scott or neither? I mean, that's not a, that's not a Clint Eastwood movie. <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> I'm I'm very sure it's not. I'm gonna say it's a Scott Eastwood movie. It is a Scott Eastwood movie. Okay. <laughs> I was like, you know, what's a good cowboy western name? Shannon. Shannon's. <laughs> I don't know what that movie's about. It has to do with a horse, though, right? It has I'm a sure. horse in it. I'm sure it does. <laughs> that's like early. I'm sure that's 2000s. the. I'm sure Shannon's Rainbow was the name of the horse. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that next one here, Anna, this is for you. Someone behind the door. Someone, I'm thinking about Shannon's horse thing now. Um, <laughs> Someone behind. Someone the behind door. the door. That sounds like a scary movie. That has to be neither. Yeah, that's she's a good Charles at this. Bronson You're good movie. at this game. Yeah. <laughs> that's another Charles Bronson movie. Charles Bronson movie. Yeah. Why is your like Why is your solution Charles Bronson movies? <laughs> She's so, really good at Charles. You got to watch out, Aaron. Just don't go see any Charles Bronson movies. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the next one here, Aaron, this is for you. Uh-huh. The Lion of Judah. The Lion of Judah? The Lion or Lion? Lion. L- the animal. L-I-O-N. Lion of Judah. Clint... Scott, neither. I'm, hmm. I'm going to say Scott again. <laughs> Scott, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? I don't know what this is either, but like, it sounds ambiguous enough for if you, it to if, be. I hope there's a movie on your list called Plank of Wood, and it doesn't have Scott Eastwood in it, as oh I, for irony. <laughs> oh, dare you. He's, he's not bad where he just shows up for a quick hot second. You're not wrong. Yeah. I mean, like, those are like the best Scott Eastwood movies. Versus, uh, what was the one that we saw recently where he's got too much airtime um, with Scorched Earth? The Fate uh, of the Furious? No, no, it was like the one where um, all Wrath, those cops... Wrath of Man? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah The, the one, Statham one. one, yeah. He's in a Furious film? Yeah, he well, he's like he was like the, the pseudo-Paul Walker. No, Furious, a Furious <laughs> film. Oh, okay. He was the pseudo-Paul <laughs> pseudo Walker because they, like... My guess is like they wrote the script with Paul Walker and they're like, I guess we just don't change it and just make it Scott Eastwood for a while instead, just kind of make it different. So like he just he's just kind of there as Kurt Russell's number two, and it's like we could have just not had you. (laughs) That also would have helped. Well, he could have been been, he could have been his son. I mean, he didn't he didn't come back for F nine, which was telling. (laughs) So uh, I mean, doesn't get killed off? I can't remember. Oh no, No, he's part of like the the, the secret. Yeah, the secret uh, cop crew. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, the next one here, Anna. This is for you. King of California. King of California. I'm gonna say that is a. Oh, I'm gonna say neither. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> you are correct. That's, that's, a, a Michael that's another movie. Michael Douglas movie. What's up with you? <laughs> I've got uh, you know I've got some stuff here. Uh, Aaron, this one's for you here. Uh huh. From noon till three. From noon till three. Um, neither. That is correct. That's neither. That is That's a Charles Bronson Br- film, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to choose. So I, you basically, Anna, you won that game six to five. Congratulations. I had oh. to choose an odd number of questions. So 
But uh, the reason why I chose Michael Douglas and Charles Bronson, Bronson. is because they have long titles that are sometimes ambiguous. Because, like, the 80s films, Predator. Oh, yeah. What do we got here? Versus, like, in the 70s, it's like, uh, it runs in the family. Or <laughs> yeah, That's smart, though, because from Ninja 3, you know, it's a Western, too. And... Kind of three goes off here. I mean, yeah. the longest ride is, like, the one, or the longest ride. The... Uh, <laughs> But yeah. see, we, we had some back history to that one. <laughs> you guys got me on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so that helped. You never saw it coming. <laughs> never, I would never ever guess that you guys had to review a Blu-ray, and then you guys got rained out, so you guys had to go watch it. Talk <laughs> like, about the trouble with a curve, you know? Like, exactly. I actually think that they're both in that movie. <laughs> but you still got it right anyway. Uh, Anna, you won that game 6-5. Great that job. Was... Scott? Thank you. There you go. All right. Is this wow? Is that the first time you've ever beaten Aaron in the game? I think so, right? Because I, uh, I don't think that's necessarily true. I feel like a million dollar baby. That, there you go. Minus <laughs> the last third of the movie. <laughs> Trying to take a space ride up the cowboy. All right. Thank you for that game. I'm gonna Abe. go drive my pink yeah, There you go. <laughs> All right, back to our perfect world here. Let's uh get to our get to our out now feedback. Before we get to feedback, can I just say something that was like in my head when so in the movie mm-hmm. I well and I didn't really look over to Aaron but through the screen I was just like is he gonna get a poncho? That was disappointing. That's all. Yeah, when he had to get his disguise so people wouldn't know, be able to know that he was an old white man. Um, <laughs> wore a hat. Uh, Otto was certain like a poncho would be possible because I was curious like what's he gonna disguise as? He's like what if he gets a poncho? That would have been great. That would have been a really yes. funny, funny thing. I would say I would say that is my only disappointment of the film. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> now for feedback. This is where we go over the various questions answered on our Facebook page. Facebook comes on the podcast. We ask a number of questions to the listeners and they give us their answers. And uh, yeah, so let's do this. First question is what is your favorite Clint Eastwood film? Todd has the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, all three of them, actually. Uh, <laughs> Chris. Stupid. Chris, right. <laughs> Stop it. We're trying to be professional here. <laughs> Chris writes Dirty Harry, Kelly's Heroes, and Good and Bad the Ugly. Uh, and lastly, Irene has Unforgiven. Uh, do you guys have any of your favorite Clint Eastwood films? Yeah, the Good, the Bad, the Ugly is definitely my favorite. Like I, that's it's one of my favorite films in general. But uh, yeah, Unforgiven is my favorite directed and acted Eastwood movie. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna throw in um, hmm. Uh, first one comes to mind here. I just got a lot of them. Bridges of Madison County. There you go. It's a good movie. I mean, <laughs> yeah. maybe it's that covered bridge. Mm-hmm. Did you also ask, like, favorite directing movie? No. I just oh, said favorite okay. in general, but if you have one offhand, you can... You have one, yeah. Well, Changeling. Changeling that is one. great. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's not my... Well, I forget what Angeling <laughs> says. That's I not my... I know my son. That's not my son. <laughs> not no, my son. Change, Changeling is the last, like, great Eastwood movie that I've seen. Like, I like oh, yeah. Sully. I like this. production design. Yeah. Cinematography, like... No, that's that's a great that's a great one, and I tend to say that's the I think that's the best Jolie performance. I, I think it's just, mm-hmm. it just really comes together. Oh, okay. All right, next question we have here: What are some great films from directors in their advanced age? Adam for Gentry, friend of the show, has Gosford Park from Robert Altman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris writes Mad Max Fury Road from George Miller. 
Uh, Todd has, Todd Lehman, our friend of the show, has Eyes Wide Shut from Stanley Kubrick. Uh, Richard Kirkham has John Huston's The Dead. That was his final film. Mm-hmm. And Mark Hobe, in front of the show, has Before the Devil Knows You're Dead from Sidney Lumet, which is a great answer. Uh, oh. Probably my pick my pick for this one as well, because that's one where Sidney, that movie, like, the editing is so crazy, and it's so, like, high energy as far as how, like, fast-paced that movie's moving. And Sidney Lumet was, like, 80 making that movie. It was crazy. Like, yeah. That felt like a movie that, like, you know, a new guy would direct for his, as his first movie. And Sidney Lumet's coming in here. <laughs> it's like yeah, let me show you guys how let me show you let me show you a movie yeah. <laughs> and it's wild you guys think you guys know shit about photoshop <laughs> <laughs> he's coming to hear guns blazing uh, that's a great answer actually because um it's very uncomfortable at times too like that movie um do you have any favorite movies that are from like older directors mm. Hmm. Mm. well cry macho Right, there you go. Yeah. Gonna be her number one movie of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chris has it right too with Bad Bacteria Road. I mean, there's. I'm trying to think of like directors like their last movies, but sometimes that doesn't work out because the last one tends to be not great. Uh, yeah, but it's also like you know, the, there's, there's like, some you know, that are like when they're older they make that are good, but like the exactly. la- the very last one, not always the best. Yeah, because like, what did you just watch last week with the card counter? Um, oh, yeah, Paul Schrader. Yeah. Schrader. Yeah, I mean, he's a fairly old guy too. Yeah. Older gentleman. I mean, he's, he and, yeah, he and Scorsese, like they're all up there. Speaking of which, Scorsese yeah. has plenty of good ones. I mean, for being as old as he is, yeah, or Ridley Scott, for that matter. He's got two movies coming out this Ridley! year. Ridley, yes, yeah. <laughs> what am I? What am I thinking of here? Yeah, Ridley Scott. He's like eighty right. something. And even Spielberg, right, with West Side Story now. Yes, yeah, Spiel- Spiel- Spielberg's not young either. He's in his seventies. It's gonna be a weird time for us. And like, how old was Hitchcock? Like. He, I mean, he, 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 was he kind of fairly young? No, he, like? he he was old when he his last one is what Family Plot, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But no, he, I mean, he was up there in his in his um, how old was he? Eighteen ninety nine to nineteen eighty. <laughs> yeah, so he was old. Wow, he was old. <laughs> he got, wow. He, <laughs> so there, any Hitchcock film then? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the next question is, what are some notable films that feature stars riding horseback? Uh, Luke Thompson, friend of the show, has The Apes and Planet of the Blank. Uh, <laughs> Todd has The Black Stallion, Sea Biscuit, Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. And Chris has John Wick. Uh, I think, that, was that John Wick 3? That'd be or, 3, yes, when he has yeah, the horse. Yeah, he's got the, the horses. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Rasmussen writes uh, Lucky Luke. And Yoshiko writes Silverado, Ladyhawk, Hidalgo, Tombstone, Lord of the Rings trilogy, Dances with Wolves, and Gladiator. He's got a he's got a great list there. So movies with notable with notable movies with stars riding horses. Hmm. Uh, Butch Cassidy. And the, the Planet of the movie. The, <laughs> the Sundance Kid. <laughs> um. Uh, I, I would throw in um, War Horse, which we've talked War about Horse. quite a while. Yeah, know, War like, Horse. From the standpoint of like a movie, World War One, and the movie is actually about the horse. That's mm-hmm. it's it's really well done. Stallion of the Cimarron Spirit. Wait, is is that a mixing of like two titles? Spirit Cimarron of the oh, Stallion. Yes, yeah, okay, yeah. I was like, wait, you... Stallion Cimarron of Spirit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You, you can say those words in any order. The title still makes sense. That's the fun of that. Kind name. of, yeah. I knew what you're talking about. Yeah. 
Stallion, um, so Spirit of the Cimarron. I would also second Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. It's a really good film. Hearts Can't Be Broken. All right. Nope. Next question we have here. What's your favorite Eastwood pairing, as in his co-star in any of his films? Title even now writes <laughs> Clyde, of course. Clyde, of course, the orangutan from the oh. from the franchise. Any which way but loose, and the sequel. No, sorry, the Still first loose? one. No, the first one is every which every. <laughs> these titles are so funny <laughs> to me. Every which way but loose, and the sequel is any which way you can. Mm-hmm. And I'm desperately hoping Eastwood makes a third film, a legacy sequel, <laughs> to close out that trilogy. Once again, starring what I assume would be 93-year-old Clint Eastwood and the orangutan Clyde. <laughs> so. Thanks. Make it happen, Warner Brothers. Uh, Chris writes Morgan Freeman and Clyde. People like Clyde. Uh, Jim Clyde. Jim Deets, friend of the show, uh, he also he noted also that Clyde is he used to watch those movies all the time when he was a kid. <laughs> it's these two Clint Eastwood <laughs> movies where he is, he's he's a boxer and his best friend is a, is an orangutan. <laughs> It, it makes the most sense. Yes. Man. Come on. Uh, I mean, Morgan, uh, it's hard to say, hard to not say Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman's right. very good with Eastwood in both Unforgiven and Million Dollar Baby. Like, it's like, yeah, they're great together. Lee Van Cleef. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah. A few dollars more and uh, good mm-hmm. and bad. Mm-hmm. And paint your wagon, of course. Can't forget paint your wagon. <laughs> <laughs> paint it nice and good. <laughs> paint it nice and good. Uh, yeah, those are great answers. Um. I definitely agree with the, the Morgan Freeman one. Uh, the next question is, do you have a favorite movie scene where a, a macho actor has cried? Uh, Todd Liebenau has Bruce Willis in Armageddon. Daniel Craig when M dies in Skyfall. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> Robert has Hugh Jackman in The Fountain. Tyler has Jack Nicholson in Five Easy Pieces. Chris has Kim Jong-un in The Interview. I think he was singing a song at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Renee has Clint in Million Dollar Baby. Do you guys have any macho actors or favorite favorite uh, movies where a macho actor is uh, is uh, kind of having an emotional moment? Definitely. Well, I, I have two. Ahead. I have two because okay. I, I base how good crying scenes are based off <laughs> how they match up to these two. One I is, swear that you're going to say one of them that's in my head. One one <laughs> is Russell Crowe in Gladiator. Exactly! When he goes full snot, because uh, his family's dead, and he gets there, and he goes... He goes crucified! He goes, he, he goes full snot crying. Um, so, it's, you know, it's, it's all right there. And it's very <laughs> oh it's very gosh. emotional. It's very emotional. It's it's like, you, know, you know who won Best Actor that year? That's right, Russell Crowe. There you go. Uh, <laughs> he nailed that scene. Um, the other is so obscure to me, but like it really matches up. It's Gerard Butler in a law abiding citizen where it's, it's, it's more inward where, where Russell Crowe is going full out cry snot. Uh, Gerard Butler, his family's been murdered, and he's like the ne- like the next day or whatever. He's in Jamie, like Jamie Fox is like his lawyer or whatever. He's in his office, and it's like he's already been crying, and now he's like really holding it in. And it's a really effective like cry scene because he's like trying not to. And it's like and it's Gerard Butler of all people. So I was like, those and are the his two. Eyes all red too. Like his eyes been... are all red. It's like he's oh, holding it no. back, but like it's they're two really good like macho actor cry scenes that I tend to look at as far as how others compare. Yeah, that's a great. The, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, Gerard, the, the Russell Crowe one, obviously. Is very... Yeah, I always go to that. I'm like, dude, did you guys see what commitment this guy has? <laughs> These are like prop feet, and here he is, like crying and snotting all over them. Anna, did, uh, you, did you have one? Yeah, Anna. Oh, I was going to say um, Russell Crowe, but I think 
does he have a scene like that in Cinderella Man? Yes. Has to, I, yeah, so I'll, I'll go with that, Cinderella Man. And I guess I'll just round out with another uh, Gerard Butler scene uh, <laughs> from uh, uh, How to Train Your Dragon 2, where he <laughs> finds his wife again. Fair that's, enough. That's a tough scene, man. I'm like... You look just the same way as the last day, or when I lost you or something. I was like, no! Stop being so stoic, stoic. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, what a line. I'm going to use that for my future ex-wife. Wow, Abe. Wow. (laughs) I'm not married. (laughs) All Uh, right. right. Last question we have here. What are your favorite films set in Texas? We didn't get any Hmm. answer to this one. I think it came a little late. uh, Oh, the Alamo? The Alamo. Oh. Uh, certainly, um, uh, I don't know why I'm blanking on the name. Boyhood? No, No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. Also works. Yeah, Boyhood <laughs> is also a great movie. It's based in, I mean, yeah, Link Letters, you know, a lot of his filmography is All very Texas-based. Based. <laughs> like, so, um, like Boyhood, came, uh, Hell or High Water came to mind. Hell or High Water, another great movie. Mm-hmm. Beautiful cinematography. Yeah. And a really good, like all, all four actor performance. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm even counting uh, Gil uh, Birmingham. Yeah, and, and I was like, oh my gosh, like, what did they do to this man? All right. Um, mm-hmm. Well, that was feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. And that is going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now Throwing an Abe. You can find more of my work, my personal blog, the code is Zeke.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also writing at YSublu.com for Blu-ray and Criterion reviews, as well as at Wheel of Entertainment for my movie reviews. Abe. You can find more fun stuff over my Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag, you were a cowboy? <laughs> uh, the lovely Anna Bosch, where can people find more of you? On Twitter, at right to recite with, um, I think my blog's linked to that as well. I haven't been writing in a while, but it's there. Great. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now With Their Name on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HHWLOD. Feel free to email us at unknownpodcast at gmail.com. Right on our Facebook wall, facebook.com slash unknownpodcast, or tweet at us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And, of course, our Instagram page, instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast as well. Um, and keep in mind, we do have our summer gamble coming, so stay tuned for Boop-boop. hearing that one. That's going to be happening. Uh, but Yay. Until, mm-hmm. But uh, that is going to do it for this week. Anna, thank you very much for joining this thank week. Thank you, Anna. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Now, you guys, you know, you only have 70 miles to the next town, so you can both save your breath, and I think you can manage it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that is going to bring us to the end of this week's episode, so until next time, so long, and goodbye. I was looking for a change of scene. You were looking at a magazine. It was red carpets and limousines, and the grass seemed so much greener. All we wanted was to get there fast So we packed up everything we had Running on hope and a tank of gas Like dreams weren't just for dreamers We couldn't wait To leave that life behind Trying to find salvation in the city limit sign And one of those LA nights When the stars come out when the stars come out and they shine and they burn so bright they drown the downtown
the stars come out When the stars come out Everybody's somebody someday Everybody's got a part to play Everybody's trying to find a way To say what needs saying Everybody's got a friend of a friend Somebody who can get you in Begging angels for a sin Game we're all playing You and I were gamblers Holding cards that we can't see I'm betting on you And you're betting on me 